Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Now back to 95.7 The Game. Three hours in the books, one more to go up until 2 o'clock here on 95.7 The Game. Hope you all are enjoying your Sunday, day two of the Labor Day weekend. And uh, we appreciate you spending your Sunday here with us on 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings, Dan Devone, Craig Valentino on the ones and twos as always. And I just want to put a bow on this this Shanahan kind of Pandora's box that was opened up by Suzanne on the previous side from Walnut Creek. Dan, there's a lot that is going on with the 49ers right now. We've gotten into the nitty-gritty of the quarterbacks and you know how it's going to affect Trey Lance's psyche, the best situation for Jimmy Garoppolo, why he's back. But my question to the people, 888-957-9570, why do you think Kyle Shanahan is the one that can pull this off? I mean, is, he, is it because he's the boy genius? Is it because... He doesn't care what people have to you know, say or, or what they write or think about him. Is it because he's defined? Is it because he's grown up in locker rooms under you know his father and Mike Shanahan? Why do you think that he can pull this off? I have confidence in him. I think one of the reasons why I think he can pull it off is the fact that he did it in the first place. Again, it's a testament to the fact that he does not care or doesn't... The, simply because it's unprecedented... And simply because Holmgren and Warren Moon and Phil Sims have never seen this before doesn't necessarily make it wrong. And again, I think Kyle Shanahan says, I don't care what has happened in the past. I don't care that this has never been done in terms of a starting quarterback losing his job and now coming back and being the backup. This makes most sense to my team right now. This gives me the best chance to win going forward. And I, I, can't, I can't argue with the decision on its face. Bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back at $6 million. They got over on Jimmy. That's a haircut, man. To go from 25 mil to 6 mil, they, they got over on Jimmy. They'll take him at $6 million. And as a backup, that's a good insurance policy for a quarterback that is unproven and, to say the very least, is, at, is raw. So it makes sense. And that's the only prism with which I think Jimmy Garoppolo, excuse me, Kyle Shanahan looks at this thing. Well, first things first, I don't know where you go for haircuts if you're paying $6 million for haircuts. <laughs> Although, Dan Devone, one of the more you know, immaculate... i fade like Craig. Craig's got the fade. Dan's got the high top. No, no, seriously. I mean, I won't say Jimmy GQ-esque, but you know, pretty close on the way. And I could say that as a confident man myself. As for Kyle Shanahan, and this is what, you know, it's from the 925... This is how he sees, he or she sees Kyle Shanahan overrated and his ego will continuously derail the team. He is the problem, not his quarterbacks. I don't agree with that, but I do see where it's sort of rooted, which is to me, Kyle Shanahan is 
the face of the 49ers. I mean, when you think about who's synonymous with what organization, you look at, uh, you know, you look at the L.A. Maybe you think of McVay. Most people think of Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, whoever. You think of the Bengals, you think of Joe Burrows. You think of the Chargers, you think of Justin Herbert. Bucks. You, you think of the Bucks, you think of Tom Brady now. You think of the 49ers. My first thought is Kyle Shanahan. And that, to me, I don't know if that's that's such an issue, but I, I can't think of a situation in which the coach was the face of an organization, the head coach that being, and they were able to go on and win a Super Bowl. He hasn't done... I still think that he is the best in-game play caller. I still think he's innovative. I think what he did with Debo, he's... The running attack, there's few coaches, because everybody's tried just about everything these days. He's one of those tacticians that if you're going up against and he's on the other sidelines, you better bring your A game, because you're going to get your ass out coached. Because this dude is so innovative offensively. And he is a step above, and he's in that... Maybe McVay's... Maybe, I don't know, LaFleur, maybe there's a few that are in that in that tier, but not many. He may be by himself. So I guess the knock on him is what the draft. Listen, that's a risky proposition, we all know. I think it's, you know, if you want to look at the on-field play by that of the San Francisco 49ers and you think about the team that he inherited, I have, I'm one of those that has no issues with Kyle Shanahan. And if you do get rid of him, you better be... You better be damn sure that whoever's taking his place is an upgrade. And I think when you look at it from that vantage point, who's better than Kyle Shanahan right now? That's a great question. And not many is is the answer to me. I don't know if he's a top five coach, top ten, whatever, but he is certainly... If they fire, if the 49ers fired him today, and I'm not in any way suggesting that they do, I think he has a long time ahead of him here in the Bay Area, specifically San Francisco or Santa Clara, whatever you want to call it. But if he's fired today, he is hired later today. Like, someone <laughs> is giving him the bag immediately. One thing that I'm curious if you subscribe to this, because this seems to be sort of accepted knowledge throughout the Bay Area and throughout the football world as well, that he goes the way of the Trey Lance experiment or the Trey Lance drafting, that bold move to move up and give the three number ones to Trey Lance. If that doesn't work out, does that immediately spell the end of Kyle Shanahan here in San Francisco? I say no. I also say no, and I think him bringing Jimmy G back is a sign that he is trying to set it up to be no. And this is why I brought the two timelines. You know, I know we usually frame the Warriors as being on a two-timeline program with their youth and then, of course, winning championships, but Kyle Shanahan is also, in a way, on two timelines because he's got the Trey Lance timeline, which is now taking longer and longer and longer than we thought, And he's also on the win-now timeline where he wants to be a a coach. This year, if you break it down, we talked about it earlier this week on 95-7, the game. If he wins this year, he has made the playoffs and he's gone to a conference championship game potentially in three of the last four years. If he does not make the playoffs, he will have missed the playoffs in now four of his first six seasons as as head coach. So there are vastly different storylines that are all contingent upon the 49ers' performance this season. And that's why Shanahan, 
I think, brings in Jimmy G because he knows as much he needs to win for now. He knows he needs the W's under his belt to be able to survive whatever Trey Lance becomes. Because let's say Trey Lance fails, he's a bust. I don't think he'll be, but he doesn't work out long term. Shanahan can always always come back to the 3-4. and four. I got you to the playoffs three out of four years without a guy. With even if I made the pick and that was my dude, I can out I am the system. Kyle Shanahan is the 49ers more so than Jimmy Garoppolo, more so than George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Trent William, Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan, I think, is setting himself up to be the guy where he can say, I'm the 49ers. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And that's good branding and good PR on his point. Look at if it doesn't work out with Trey Lance, it doesn't mean that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, he's a bust, pack your bags, you got to go. They took a risk, and I think in retrospect, I'll never admit it now, but I think that if they could do it all over again, they would have not tried to find the succession of Jimmy Garoppolo via the draft. And if they did, they should have probably got Mac Jones. All right? I said it. Whether people want to agree with me or not, I think that's a fact. If you were to just to look at the fact that he was all in on Kirk Cousins, why is it such a completely uh, dysfunctional belief that Mac Jones was their guy. Yeah, I'm with you. But all that aside, let's just say he missed on Trey Lance. It happens. It happens. He missed. It's no different than 2017 when he missed on Solomon Thomas and he missed on Reuben Foster. Granted, those were only two number ones. But he still missed. He didn't spend three first-round picks to get those number ones, though. No, that's true. But they are two first-round picks where he could add two other guys, including Patrick Mahomes. And he lives to see another day. Guys screw up on the draft all the time. And if Trey Lance doesn't work out and your team is still good, whether that's Jimmy Garoppolo or you found somebody else and you still have a good defense, you're still relevant, he ain't going anywhere. You mean to tell me, oh, we're going to the playoffs – and we're making a deep run. But Trey Lance didn't work out. You need to go. Simply because in the contract, the unspoken contract, you two, you hitched your wagon to this dude. And Trey Lance is a bust, therefore you, you need to leave. Now, there's so many extenuating circumstances that go into the removal. Maybe if they're not going to the playoffs and they're not winning, then the Trey Lance draft and the risk and rolling the dice with Trey Lance is part of a bigger equation as to the reason why he's out. But it's not exclusively the only one. And succinctly put by the 650 on the Comcast business text line, if Kyle misses on Trey, it's only strike one. Now, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's only one strike. Yeah. It might be two. But I think he can survive it. Let's see what Adam from Pleasanton has to say about Kyle Shanahan. Adam, what's going on, man? You're up with Dan Devone and Evan Giddings right here on 95.7 The Game. How you doing, fellas? Loving the show. I liked uh, the comment about face of a franchise for a coach, and an obvious one I'd love to hear you debate is, is Bill Belichick to me. Sure, there's Tom Brady, but you never heard Brady brought up with the Patriots without the coach as well. What do you think of that one? That's, that's well taken, and I think that Belichick is in the stage now where I think people are kind of questioning whether it was him or whether it was Brady. I think you cannot separate the two just because of all that they accomplished together and all that Belichick did at the beginning, the foundation of Brady's career. But that would be the only one, the only other coach that I think you could put in the face of a franchise conversation and say, yeah, it absolutely worked. Yeah, that's chicken of the egg, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. Right now when you look at it, you know, the hoodie's lost his damn mind. I have no (laughs) idea what's going on over there. No coordinators. 
you know, Mac Jones. You got Matt Patricia. Is now the old coordinator blowing into the year of Mac Jones. Mac Jones went from one of the most enviable draft positions, got drafted by Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, to now a year later, like, oh my goodness, what the hell have I signed up for? That's a mess out there. And Belichick, if it's anybody else, you know, go ahead, Craig. What do you got? No, I, I, dude, I was getting ready to close the sign, which is literally finishing your sentence. If that's Dan Campbell right, yeah, out there, we would be roasting this dude. Like, what are you doing? No one has a job? Like, what's going on here? But since it's, you know, the hoodie. And the all, draft picks on top of it, he misses on everyone. <laughs> but we go, you know what? It's the hoodie. We're, it's all right. Yeah, well, when, when you got six Super Bowls, I, I think you kind of get the benefit of the doubt there. Also, the guy who gave it to him left, though. <laughs> so basically, Matt Patricia is the offensive coordinator. Would that make... Matt Patricia's Ticonderoga pencil that stays in his right ear, the assistant offensive coordinator, because that's pretty much how many coaches are left on the team. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it, this is a question we're trying to figure out. Who is synonymous with what team? Kyle Shanahan, to me, is the face of the San Francisco 49ers. Bill Belichick, very fair to say, the face of the New England Patriots, even when Tom Brady was there, although, like you said, Dan, I think we're splitting hairs there. And Speaking of Dan Campbell, look out Detroit. We were talking surprises. I'm going hard knocks. All right, let's go there. All right, let's go. Let's go to your up and coming teams, comeback teams of the year. Who's making a move, Dan Devone? Because if you're starting with the Detroit Lions, <laughs> I might have to give you the Aaron Boone treatment and throw you out of here. Uh, they'll be better. I think Carolina is going to be a better and improved football team with McCaffrey coming back. They've got that. What's Casey? That corner. They they got some players out there. And I think Baker Mayfield is a guy that is a good quarterback. As much as people may dislike this dude, speaking of punchable faces, I think Minnesota is going to be good. Delvin Cook and Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and that defense, if Kevin O'Connell can unlock all of that, watch out for Minnesota. It's a very, very good football team this year. I think the New Orleans Saints, I already talked about New Orleans. I really think that Jacksonville with Etienne, am I saying that right, Craig? That, that, Etienne, yeah. That, mm-hmm. And listen, man, my, Trevor Lawrence is balling. And I think a lot of that is just simply because of what we witnessed last year with Urban Myers, that idiot who I can't believe has got another gig. I digress. That's another, time, that's another show for another time. But Urban Meyer was the reason why they were so bad and he didn't develop. But that now you got... You know, you got Peterson in there. That's a that's a team that is headed in the right direction. I think Jackson, because you got to think about this. As much as we laugh at this, a better way to phrase it is: Who is going to be the Cincinnati of twenty twenty two? At the beginning of last year, if I was to tell you Cincinnati is going to the Super Bowl, you would have run me with Aaron Boone. Yeah, but there's a good chance that somebody could be that sleeper. Somebody could be the big surprise this year. And for, go ahead. I'll say for me, it's the Colts. If you said you want to pick a team that's a sleeper that has the pieces that could be a Super Bowl run, for I would say the Colts because we saw Burrow and he, we we knew he was tied. We knew he had skills. He just got hurt. So we're like, okay, give him a full healthy season. And then you know Jamar Chase kept dropping the ball in preseason. So everybody's wondering if that would just translate into the real season. And then he became the real Jamar Chase we saw. And we're like, okay, well this team has the right pieces. It all came together. So if I'm, if I'm looking for a team that has pieces and a little dark horse sleeper, yeah, for me the Colts on that side of the ball. I mean, in that conference. Yeah, I like that. I I think that up-and-comers and and, and teams that are going to flip the script in this year, I certainly want to start with the NFC because that, to me, is the the conference that's most wide open. As much as the Colts could make a run last year, they finished eighth in the AFC. I could see them easily finishing below that just because of how good the conference is. So I'm looking at the NFC right now. Teams that were terrible a year ago or not as good that have a chance to win the Super Bowl or go deep. I'm with you on the Minnesota Vikings. I think that offense 
is good enough to make up for some of the few deficiencies they have on the defensive side of the ball. The offensive line is good. The running game is Oh, is Adam Thielen. I left him out. I, I think he, he's kind of on the downside of his career, but Justin Jefferson can absolutely... I mean, he's the guy who said, I want to break the all-time receiving record this season. So Kirk Cousins is going to have one eye for Justin Jefferson and one eye for Kevin O'Connell. That's, that's how this thing might work out in Minnesota. I am also, I think because of the division, I'm, I'm kind of high on the Philadelphia Eagles. I like where they're at because the, the division outside of them is not very good. I mean, Dallas just simply beat up on the NFC East, and then we saw really everything come to a head against the Niners in the playoffs. They're a beatable team. They improved their defense. I don't think Hurts is, is the, you know, the answer at quarterback, but he can win you yeah. games. Last year they were 9-8. and eight. You know, a playoff team and got bounced immediately, but I could see them taking the next step after having that experience. I don't know if I believe in the Saints as much, but if you're asking me to pick a team from from the bottom of the barrel, I am with you on Carolina. I do think they are a team that can win eight, nine games and sneak into the playoffs with Baker Mayfield at the helm should he be able to stay healthy. On the NFC side, I know we just talked about who you think is going to finish last in the AFC West as far as that division. I, we both said Denver. But they. I was just looking at They won seven games last year with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater yeah. at quarterback. And now they have Russell Wilson with an entire new year, one year better as let's far ride. as... Let's ride. I don't know if it... I think Broncos country could be in store for a team that could win a playoff game. My other team would be the the Baltimore Ravens. I know people don't really, you know, look too highly on Lamar Jackson despite him being an MVP and, you know, he's the guy who's fallen short in the playoffs so far in his young career, but they also were dealt a lot of season-ending injuries on the defensive side of the ball, a place in which I thought was a strength of theirs coming into the year. So, I like Baltimore to flip the script this year in the AFC and in the NFC Give me Minnesota. All of them go as far as to say to upend the Green Bay Packers and win the NFC North. Wow. What about Lamar Jackson? Sort of interesting. I mean, keeping an eye on that, how is that going to play out? Is he going to be an Aaron Judge and play this season without a contract? It doesn't look as though those two are pretty far apart because there's two ways of thinking of this. Initially, when Deshaun Watson got that deal, and of course Lamar Jackson is representing himself, which is never a good idea, by the way. I have no idea what he's thinking there. Just give up the the four to six percent. You don't. It. You don't represent yourself, Dan. No, man. <laughs> but the pro- and the reason why I don't is because you need that adult in the room to come back, and this is what has to happen with someone like that, Lamar Jackson. You need somebody else to go and talk to the Ravens. And then to go back and counsel, counsel your client, this being Lamar Jackson, and saying, okay, this is the offer. Now listen, I think we ought to take it because of this. Or I think that maybe we can hold out because of this. And this is where I think what they're thinking. But I think that what we should do is the following. He needs counseling when it's just you and you're the only voice in the room and you can't bounce it off of anybody and you have, you have no experience in this sort of thing. It's not going to work out. And especially when you're talking about, is Biscotti still running things out there? I mean, that dude does not give away guaranteed contracts. And he's trying to look at Lamar Jackson as a Deshaun Watson saying, okay, when Deshaun Watson got the $230 million, I am better than that dude. I'm also a better human being. I want $5 more. Case closed. But what's happened since then, Kyler Murray was next in line. He gets a contract. That annually is more, but it's not guaranteed. 
And then you're thinking, okay, should I go Kyler Murray or Deshaun Watson? But then what has taken place is now you've got Russell Wilson, who has come in with an unguaranteed deal. So now suddenly Deshaun Watson is outnumbered, and now does that become the outlier rather than the norm, right? Now suddenly you're looking at that deal going, hey, listen, if I'm Biscotti, I'm saying, stop using Cleveland as a reference. Cleveland was a mistake. Cleveland's never going to happen again. What's more likely to happen is what took place in Denver with Russell Wilson and, of course, what took place in Arizona with Kyler Murray. But he's hooked. He's just dug in on this, I want more guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson. And as much as I do think he's deserved of more guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson, that's because Deshaun Watson was paid by the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Was paid by the one of the more, you know, the, the, one of the more poorly run organizations in the history of fo- the new Cleveland Browns, I should say. Since, since, since the old one left, went to Baltimore. The current team that Lamar Jackson plays for, they know how to do things right in Baltimore, which is why I don't think he's necessarily been paid yet. And that's why Tyler Heineke is going to make more per year this year than, than Lamar Jackson. But I do think if the Baltimore Ravens do not re-sign Lamar Jackson, that that is a terrible decision. Because if you look around the league, sure, Lamar may not be the most perfect quarterback, He's coming off a year in which he was dealt some injuries, only played 12 games, 16 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. He was, he was meh this year, especially compared to the bar he set for himself three years ago. But he's still one of the best, and I think winning quarterbacks in the NFL. I, I don't understand really, like I see why he wants to bet on himself, why he wants to represent himself. And some guys have been able to you know use that to their success Richard Sherman did that although he did it towards the tail end of his career not when he was 25 years old and somewhat of a question mark still but I see why he wants more guaranteed money and at the very least should get what I think Kyler Murray got and then some because he for as much upside as Kyler Murray has Lamar Jackson has proof in the pudding his accolades he, I think, is going to be somewhere in between Deshaun and Kyler as far as total as well as guaranteed money. I think he's got to be right behind. He's got to be, well, he's next in line. And so typically the next in line becomes the highest paid quarterback for the time being. You know what this is really eerily similar to? If you were to go back exactly 10 years ago, a decade ago, Joe Flacco was doing this exact same thing. Yeah. Joe Flacco against the 49ers in the Super Bowl, ultimately, he held out that whole year. And he said, I'll bet on myself. And what he did is he took Baltimore to that Super Bowl, beat the San Francisco 49ers, and then got paid. And check this out. He was the highest paid quarterback. I think at like 25 mil. Yeah. That was 10 years ago. You talk about going up exponentially. That's a 150% gain, I believe. I mean, that's, we're going for, what is it, like 45 to 50 mil is what the top quarterback is? Aaron Rodgers is the top quarterback. He makes 50.27 per year. And Flacco was somewhere around the neighborhood of 20 mil as a top quarterback a decade ago when he bet on himself as a Baltimore Raven. Yeah. And it paid off. No, no, no. And he absolutely was the reason why they won that Super Bowl. I know he's not the elite quarterback that people like to label him, but during that Super Bowl run, he had a, you know, an Eli Manning type run in 2007, 2011. He was, he was very good. On the other side, I do want to get into this because this is something I think deserves some. Description, I think it's something, a topic that deserves our attention. Serena Williams likely retiring after losing in the third round of the U.S. Open this weekend. Is she the greatest of all time in this generation? I think she has a case, and we're going to talk about it on the other side. If you want to chime in about that or anything 49ers related, about 
what Lamar Jackson should be paid, what he shouldn't be paid, about where the 49ers stack up in the NFC, what you think about this season, anything and more on the other side. One half hour left on 95.7. The game is Evan Giddings and Dan Devon back after this. Now back to 95.7 The Game. Appreciate all of those of you hanging out with us here on a Sunday, Sunday before Labor Day. Evan Giddings, Dan Devone, 95.7 The Game. By the way, there's going to be coverage locally all day tomorrow on Labor Day. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Okay, 6 to 10 a.m. It's the Red and Gold Roundtable with Bonte Hill, Damon Bruce, and Kyle Madsen. Then Larry Kruger and Lo Neal, your 49ers pregame crew, will take you from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Whitey Gleason and Alan Stiles are on from 1 to 4, and then they'll replay the Red and Gold Roundtable from 4 to 6. So 6 to 6, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. all day tomorrow here on 95.7 The Game. Where I want to start this final segment of our show, Dan, as we take you up until 2 o'clock, is goat talk. We need it. We need to discuss it because Serena Williams finished her career. So I mean, that's what she said before the U.S. Open. This is going to be her last tournament, and she lost in the third round of the U.S. Open on Friday. And I want to clear something up. Appreciate the four one five and the grammar police correcting me, calling someone the greatest of all time in our generation makes no sense. That's true. What I want to talk about is the greatest of this generation because I think it's difficult to compare generations of athletes front to back. To me, the four in this generation that have a seat at the table, that are on the Mount Rushmore, whatever you want to call it, Serena Williams, Tom Brady, Tiger Woods, and LeBron James. And here's my argument for Serena being the GOAT out of all of them. Because, to me, the GOAT is someone that has expectations put in front of them, most of the times prematurely. And not only do they meet them, but they far surpass them. Serena Williams is the athlete with the greatest hype ever. Why? Because her father, Richard Williams, called her shot before she was born. Before she even exited the womb, there was an 80-page plan of what she and her sister Venus were going to be. And not only did they live up to that, Serena Williams captured 23 Grand Slam singles titles, most in the open era since 1968. She also has the other most important part to me, the conversation about goats, 
the longest span between first and last singles titles. So from the time she won her first Wimbledon to the time she won her last Wimbledon, she has the longest period of time in which she has dominated an era for an individual athlete, and she did it in all four majors. At Roland Garros, the French Open, at Wimbledon, at the U.S. Open, and at the Australian Open, Serena Williams has won at the beginning of her career, she has won at the end of her career, and as she walks off into the sunset this weekend, I think that she is number one among the greatest athletes of of this generation, of our generation. That is where I stand. It's hard to argue, and I don't. I I don't like getting into goat conversations because it, if you were to make her the greatest of all time, detracting from a Tom Brady or a LeBron James. Was Michael Jordan in that list, or he, does he not qualify for this generation? He's, he's a little bit older, so, but you could, you could put him in there if you want. Yeah, so I, I just... I'd rather just applaud her accolades, and I know it's not necessarily relegated to... To me, it's not only relegated to, to what she did on the court, but, but let's face it a minute. An African-American woman especially when she came up at age 14, dominating the sports, coming from essentially the hood, the ghetto, out there in Compton, California. That didn't happen. You know, people can talk about it, and there has been a movie written about it, but that's, that, to me, in and of itself, which, which really captures me, is people that generationally come along and that change the sport. Not only physically what they're able to do, but opening doors. And I think she is one of those... You know, she is she is one of those special people that goes beyond just her physical talents on the court. Yeah, and I know Craig wanted to get in this as well. No, it's funny, Dan, because when you say it, it's like you know, you're right. It's I think that's what makes you know the the goat conversation for me. It's you can be great on the field, but it's also what else did you do? You know, off the field, nothing. Did you? No, that, and that's what Tiger Woods always will be considered a goat because you made you know me turn in on Sundays wearing a red t shirt and like you know I just felt like I, I wanted to start playing golf. I never even thought about watching golf until Tiger you know opened those kind of doors. And so with Serena, I always thought it was a great conversation, and because people will always want to use a little asterisk of saying she's the greatest female athlete of all time. And I'm like, what she's been able to do is far exceeds what being labeled a female athlete are to. I think she's one of the greatest athletes of all time because even at 35, when it was the oldest ever to ever win a major, she did that. But she also did that while being pregnant. <laughs> I mean, think of that. Like... Michael Jordan had the flu one game. We're like, oh, Michael's the greatest, man. He was sick. She's throwing up for two weeks carrying somebody, guys. Like, I'm not getting out of bed at all. I saw my wife. We have a one-year-old. I saw what she had to go through those first three months. Bro, I'm not wishing that on. And no dude wants to do that at all. So for her to be able to do that and say get up every day and still grind in, in the Australian Open to go out there and win a major, that's unreal. At 35 years old, I mean, come on now. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you, Craig. I also think that the expectations of her and and for for female athletes, there is a double standard that she like a barrier that she was able to break through. Because, and I read this article uh, this morning from the Daily Mail over in the UK talking about how you know Serena wasn't the best. Um, wasn't the most purest competitor, right? You know, she had that incident in 2009 where she told the line judge she was going to shove the ball down her effing throat, all this stuff. But as far as off the court or off the field, playing field, indiscretions, it's her and it's LeBron. Like, LeBron is the only person that I can think of outside of her. You could, I mean, you look at Tiger. Obviously, he had some stuff away from the golf course. Even Tom Brady had some stuff away from the football field as we talk about the four people. Michael Jordan had his own off-the-court 
troubles. Serena Williams has never done anything off the court that would make me think of think ill of her as an individual, and that's why to me people hold her to more hold her feet to the fire more than any of these male athletes. And not only does she meet the expectations, but then she goes on to dominate for twenty three years. That that's to me that's why I think of her as being just above the rest as far as greatest athletes. She transformed the sport. Yeah, think about it. As much of a sports fan that I am, that you are, that Craig is, I mean, what, Steffi Graf? Yeah, good player, Monica Seles. But who really paid attention to women's tennis until she came onto the scene? Who really paid attention to Sundays until Tiger was in the PGA? I know it has a long history of great players, but nothing like that of Tiger. Nothing like a lightning rod like Tiger Woods brought to the sport. And it holds true to this day. If you're one of the suit and ties that runs the networks, you want Tiger Woods in the conversation simply because viewers are going to watch. You're always going to have the golf fans, but those middling or even the non-golf fans will watch simply because Tiger is there. And when I think about what Serena single-handedly has done to that sport in terms of putting it on the map, making it relevant, making it something that was must-watch TV when she went to center court, you can't even quantify what that means, not only to the sport, but in terms of labeling her as the GOAT. And her and Tiger are the ones out there by themselves. Like It is an individual sport, so you get all the praise, you get all the blame, you get all the ire, all the critics coming down your road about what you can and specifically cannot do. They are telling you this and telling her from the time she's you know, 14 years old coming onto the scene. What they're telling her sister as she's coming up and watching behind Venus Williams. What they're telling Tiger Woods you know, when he's a kid and he's winning junior championships, he's winning amateur championships. You cannot be this person. And they still were. You know, it's funny you talk about the double standard. I think that's one of the most things that never gets talked about. You can't have braids or beads in your hair because it makes too much noise. You can't wear a cat suit because it's too distracting. You can't yell at the ball linesman, but if you did as a male, you'd be John McEnroe. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like, let me get this straight. I, can do, I can't do all these things just because I am a female. You know, it's like the amazing thing she had to overcome and to, still be, and, and to still be able to be how great she is. I think that's one of the best things. I think it was probably one of the things that motivated her the most is like, you don't treat me like you would treat any other guy that does this. And I think that's, that, was the, that was one of the motivating factors for her. Although, Ev, I would say that the expectations before she was even born, what was that, that manifesto that her old man wrote that the expect this kid... It was more gonna... family imposed than, than national, of course. But, but, but that's, that's a little the... LeVar Ball-esque. It's a little whack-jobby. I mean, you know, Le- LeVar Ball was the same way with his three boys. Yeah, but, but that would be like telling... Telling someone that Lonzo Ball is going to be the greatest to ever walk the earth to pick up a basketball before he's born, okay. and then you saying, yeah, you're a crackpot, get the hell out of here, <laughs> leave, and then he actually has a kid that does no, that. All right. Well, all right. and also, and I will say with the VAR thing is, also, I'm going to stand in front of my kids and take the shots that you want to throw at them. He And I'm not going to be like, hey, I'm better than... Um, you're talking you know, about Richard. Williams? Yeah, Richard Williams yeah. wasn't walking around saying I'm better than Agassi, and I'm going. There. He, it was never about him. He wanted to protect his kids, and he was saying, "Look, I'm just letting you guys know they're going to be awesome." And you're never going to say that. You're never going to say my kids can't be that. And he's always was that dude. It was never about him. It was always about his kids. And that was the one thing that's different with Lamar Ball. It's Lamar Ball's been about Lamar Ball <laughs> and making money for his brand, his kids' brand, and the brand name. Richard, uh, he was never that dude. He was the a. Hey, I, I already know my kids are going to be awesome. I'm going to push them to be awesome because they're 
they're destined to be great. And when they're great, I'm going to tell you I told you so. And that's what he did. That's true. Uh, from the 925 of the Comcast Business Text Line, an interesting order and one that I would I would refute just a little bit. Number one, Serena. Number two, Lionel Messi. That's a name that hasn't been thrown out much. And the only reason I... I kind of have trouble putting Messi in the Tiger, Brady, LeBron, MJ. You're a Liverpool fan? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We can, we can say it on the air. It's all right. I've been ousted by Craig, the Man U fan, who, by the way, won this morning. You better be lucky. You are fortunate they finally found a way to beat Arsenal. But no, there's too many people on the – like. Lionel Messi, as as amazing he is, he is a, he's a god with a soccer ball between his feet. But he also played with some of the greatest players ever. Like, Serena's out there by herself. I know she plays in doubles with, with Venus. Tiger's out there by himself. Whatever happens to them, that is purely... A, LeBron, there's five people on the court. I don't think anyone's ever walked onto a basketball court in his prime and said, I'm better than LeBron yeah, James. If LeBron played all, always with the Dream Team, then it would be understandable. Like, okay, he's playing with the Dream Team all the time, but he doesn't. Lionel Messi is playing with the Dream Team at Barcelona a lot of those years. Yeah, and to reframe this conversation for the 5-1-0, what about Ali? We're talking about this generation's athletes. I think it's tough to distinguish, you know, comparing generations just because of, of the, the political climate, social climate, athletic climate that a lot of these people play in. Serena played in her era. She dominated to an extent that far surpasses, in my opinion, any other athlete in this generation. But for the sake of conversation, 5-1-0, you're spot on as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It stops after Ollie. But and that's we all said me. that during the break. We 100% agree with you. Yeah, congratulations to Serena Williams. And now with her departure, now what when it comes to women's golf? Or, I'm sorry, women's tennis. Well, and, and that's, that's honestly something that I, I've been kind of wondering about. You know, I was looking at it today. Tom Brady's 45. He probably should be retired right now. In fact, he did until he decided to come back six weeks later. LeBron James is going to break the all-time score record probably at some point this season. He'll be retired in the next three years. And Tiger Woods, some people question if he'll ever be able to win a major again, even if we see him out on the golf course. I, I, I personally can't imagine a world in sports without those four athletes. We can throw Messi in there. You can even throw Steph in there for the, for the Golden State Warriors. I can't imagine a sports landscape without those people. But then again, I'm sure previous generations didn't yeah. think there could be a sport without Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell. Yeah, somebody always comes along. And this conversation happens every couple of decades in the NBA. When Michael Jordan was leaving, like he means so much. He's the ambassador. Her magic. What's going to happen to the sport? All of a sudden, here comes Kobe. Oh, my goodness, Kobe, and then Kobe's going to... And then here comes LeBron. And to a certain degree, you know, whether it's Naomi Osaka, there's always somebody next. There's always somebody in line that becomes the next, the next greatest. So, rest assured, somebody will rear their head and be, you know, that's just the the natural sort of... Uh, that's, that's sort of the way things uh, take place when it comes to, to professional sports, as yeah. far as the greatest of all times. Well, and you talk about for tennis, I mean, you have like Coco Golf played today. There's a lot of girls that were like, you know, kind of grew up idolizing Serena and Venus. And you have Sloane Stevens, a bunch of the girls that are, that are kind of, and we even saw Osaka as, as well. A lot of those girls that grew up watching them, you know, hopefully they can be the ones that take that mantle. But you like said it's tough to be, you know, in football, we always say you never want to be the coach after the coach. You know, you never want to be the person after the person. It makes it really tough to do. Well, and, and to the, to the, Comcast was text line points a point about Ali. Like I'm sure there's some boxing fans that are saying, you know, 
there can never be another Ali, and as a result, this sport will never be as good. I mean, Serena Williams, Venus Williams, like you mentioned, Dan, broke through a barrier that we didn't think possible. That allows for the Osakas, the Coco Goffs, all the the young and up-and-coming young female tennis players that dominate their sport at a certain level, but there's there's something that you can't get past. Like, like LeBron James could have every single record in the NBA career leaderboards, but he can't he can't be Jordan for for some people. They will never be able to reconcile with the fact that you know LeBron James he, he'll never go six for six in the finals, or he can't be Russell because he never had to deal with the type of social injustice that players did in the fifties, sixties, and seventies. So I think there is some of that, and maybe maybe Justin from San Jose can help us out and figure this thing out as we're talking about goats. We're talking about Serena Williams here on ninety five seven. The game up until two o'clock. Justin, what's up, man? What do you want to talk about? Is the goat? Michael Jordan really is the goat. LeBron, uh, Kobe, I take him over uh, Tiger Woods and LeBron James. Out of his four titles, he um, he got two half the season, 62, 60 some games, and then the bubble. I can't really count those two championships. And, um, congratulations to Serena, man. She a goat of all times. Man, hell of an athlete right there. That's all I got. Appreciate you, Justin. Uh, we're, we're, we're not going to be ring counting here, although I'm sure some Warriors fans would certainly love to. But I, his point is well taken about Serena. Craig, oh, sorry, I, th- I thought you had something. No, there. I was just, when he said Kobe is more of a goat than Tiger, you, you lost me there. But okay, but I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, Michael, yes, Michael is amazing, of course, and, you know, he walked on water and never got wet. So I, I understand all these, you know, things. But, like, you know, like you said, it's always the, the comparison, because I guess Michael only played six years of basketball and he got six champions. He didn't play 19 seasons, and the other years they never won. But we never talk about those years, so it's okay. No doubt, no doubt. And actually, well, so this is one thing, you know, as we were talking about generations and different, you know, barriers that certain athletes have to break through, whether it be due to to race, whether it be due to identification, whether it be due to politics, religious beliefs, whatever. There was something that was brought up this week by J.R. Smith, which kind of caught my eye. And as we got a couple minutes left here in the segment, I want to get to this sound. On Complex Sports, an interview with Pierce Simpson, J.R. Smith was talking about being blackballed from the NBA. Here's here's what he had to say. Do you feel like you were, I guess, blackballed in a way, for lack of a better phrase, when it comes to your career? Yeah, 100%. And I mean, anybody can sit here and tell you that that's a that's a fact. You got those 30 teams. Yeah. You're the top three people on each 30 team yeah. and exclude them. Give me the 4 through 15th man. Just the 4 through 15. Right. Name one of them that's better than me. But I'm sitting here like, bro, this, like I've, I've worked out with these dudes. Yeah. I've seen... I've watched their GM come up to me and ask me, Leo, why are you not playing? Right. You know why I'm not playing. And I, I, I feel like it's a whole genre that that, that, that happens to mm-hmm. Joe Johnson, who's obviously still got games, still plays. Jamal Crawford, still got games, still can play. Nick Young, still got games, still can play. Isaiah Thomas, still got games, still can play. Dan, what the hell is J.R. Smith talking about? I don't know. But rest assured, he did that interview with his shirt off. <laughs> I think he had the shirt on, but he did have pink dreads. Did he? Yeah. It was, he's uh, golfing now, you know, speaking of golf. He's a 4.0 <laughs> student at uh, North Carolina AT&T, which the games we're watching from last night. If you're a 4.0 in college, you're student athlete of the year, J.R. Smith, never won. Like, that is more... 
That is more believable than him being blackballed from the NBA. Well, in order to be blackballed, Colin Kaepernick was blackballed. Yes. Why would he be blackballed? What is it that he did? And he's, he insinuated, well, you know what's going on. No, if he had just explained what, what's the conspiracy or why is he being ostracized is what I needed to hear. Because I'm, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay, it's happening, but why? Well, and, and, and I don't know if... The question was a little leading, so I'll give him that. We heard it at the front end. Do you feel like you're being blackballed? Blackballed certainly has a different connotation than phased out of the league, pushed out. Like Jamal Crawford, Joe Johnson, J.R. Smith, they all played until they're 35 plus. Like yeah. they played 15 plus years in the NBA, and I'm sure that they can go out and get a bucket. But you know what else is required of you in the game of basketball? Yeah, getting back on defense. You can't do that. Also, Craig had, a, had, a, had an interesting note. Well, just you ran left when I hear Jr. I think of you ran the wrong way with the ball, bro. Let's just start there. So, how about I can understand what you're right saying. The black ball is a little bit awkward. Maybe just saying, "Hey, I probably answer the question when I don't think I'm black ball, but I know I can still play in the league." Now, I don't know the reason why I'm not getting any run because, like, I think Dan makes a really good point. What's the reason behind it? Like, you know, if you just said I'm being black ball because everybody thinks I'm drunk when I'm playing, okay, let's have this discussion. Or no one thinks I can play anymore. I'm a bad teammate. Then we can, but just to leave it open like that i'm like what did you really do that makes you so blackball like you know you ain't taking a knee you i mean what did you do so yeah when you look at basketball take the warriors for example where you only it's not a 53 man roster right where you just got these 15 spots and you got the salary cap look at the warriors who's going to be that 15th guy are you gonna is it going to be gp2 i mean you don't have time to roll out and take a runner on a jr smith these days this this stuff doesn't happen nate nate robinson was still looking to get a job in the NBA. I'm sure he, he didn't think he got blackballed. It's just, listen, if you get too old and you slow down a whole step, you're going to get passed by. That's just the world we live in when it comes to the NBA. It had nothing to do with you personally. Don't take this personal, my man. If you can still jack up the same sort of numbers and be effective on the court, there'll be a spot for you. Well put. And on that note, I think, uh, Craig, you got one more thing. Oh, come on, man. I was going to leave on it. I was mic dropping. I literally put my finger up and say one minute before commercial break. But okay, there you go. Uh, you had a note. No, Dan, this has been a lot of fun, man. Love I mean, you, brother. Obviously, it was the first time I've got to sit in this chair with you, but you made it very easy for me, and I, I appreciate it. I Dude, hope you, we can do it again soon. That chair is yours. Don't ever come out of it. You own it. Uh, we've talked about Trey Lance and Jimmy G. We've talked about J.R. Smith today. We've talked about the Giants. We've talked about a lot of things, and we appreciate you sticking with us for the last four hours. Coming up next, we're going to take... You're back to Fox Sports programming, but make sure to tune in tomorrow. Again, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. live and local right here on 95.7 The Game. Red and Gold Roundtable, 6 to 10. Larry Kruger and Lowe Neal, 10 to 1. Whitey Gleason and Alan Styles, 1 to 4. And then the Red and Gold Roundtable replay from 4 to 6. That's been Dan DeVoe. My name is Evan Giddings. Big thank you to Craig Valentino, as always, behind the board. Take it easy. Have a fun rest of your Labor Day weekend, and enjoy the sunshine. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.